Well, good evening, everybody. It's so nice to hear your chattering voices. So nice, so nice. Uh, so good to have you guys here tonight. Thank you for braving the cold and then the warm and then the wet and then the cold uh, this week. Um, so glad to, to kind of be back in the saddle here this weekend after kind of uh, weather uh, messed with us a little bit last weekend. And so if you were here last Saturday, it was a fantastic service, I thought. And then uh, everyone who missed out on Sunday because of the storms, I feel bad for them. Um, so yeah, uh, it's so good to see you guys here. It's so, look, look at y'all. Yeah, it's so pretty. You are right. They're, they're pretty good looking crew. They're doing all right. Um, I want to talk uh, about baptisms a little bit before, um, before we kind of get into God's Word. And if you're, you'd like to be ready uh, for, to open up your Bible, either on your phone or if you have a physical copy of that book itself, uh, we're going to be in Exodus 3 and John 5. There's your heads up. Uh, and hello to everyone watching online as well. We'll say hello to you. Uh, but let's talk about baptisms for a moment because um, we, this is something that we do usually two or three times a year. Um, and for us, this is one of the most um, important things that we do as a church is baptize people. Um, if you are someone um, who maybe is new to the faith, maybe you're new to following Jesus, uh, we believe that this is the next step for you. And maybe even if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and um, maybe you haven't been baptized, uh, I think that this is your time. I think this is the time for you. We believe that every Christian, every follower of Jesus needs to be baptized. It's like it's not necessarily even a choice thing because even in the New Testament, when someone uh, came to know Jesus, they found the nearest like piece of water and you were going in. Like that was, that was, it's not a joke. That is, go through your New Testament and every time someone took, um, said yes to Jesus, they're like, great, where's the lake? Uh, and then they would go down and they would hang out and they would party. That's what we want to do as a church. It is, it is like the empirical evidence of faith in someone. It, it is the outward um, kind of expression, thank you, of an inward transformation is kind of what we've said over all these years. And so if you have not been baptized and you have said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, we would love to talk to you after service. Our service pastors are going to give a little bit more in depth about what that's going to look like after service. And so we would love to chat with you and put you in the tank back there next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, anybody watch Jeopardy still? Like, amazingly, I had to look it up. I was like, Alex Trebek is still alive. That's odd. Like, good for him. I don't know how old he is, um, but he's still around. And uh, it's because he's Canadian. It must, be, it must be in the water or something. Um, but I don't watch Jeopardy anymore. Uh, I did. I had this phase in university where I watched Jeopardy quite a bit um, with uh, my roommate. And we had this thing on Thursday nights. We knew that we were, you know, after... After a long week of school, um, we are probably going to have to clean our apartment if people were coming over a little bit. So we had this thing on Thursday nights where we, he and I uh, would watch Jeopardy, and uh, we would have a competition to see who could get the most questions right. And who, whoever lost would have to do the dishes on Thursday night to prepare for whoever might come and, uh, and hang out on the weekend. So we had... I mean, we do have to clean every now and then. And if we tie, we said, you know what? Dishes can wait till next week. <laughs> it's all right. We got, we got lots. We just rinse it with water. It'll be fine. Um, every now and then, though, 
there was this category that had questions in it that didn't just qu- that didn't fit anything else, and they called it potpourri. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It'd be like American presidents, and then like sports hall of famers, and science, and then potpourri. And it was like, well, I don't even know what that is. Why are they asking us questions about dried flowers that smell bad? Um, but what it was, it was, it was this category of things that didn't quite fit anywhere else. Uh, potpourri was just this category of questions of, of things that had no other place. Uh, and so I'm excited to kind of take these next five weeks or so uh, to preach on some things and have some faces and some voices to come in and preach on some things that don't necessarily fit under a typical series that we might do. And so what we're going to have for the next five weeks, we're going to have uh, different people come up here and basically just share what is on their heart. They don't, we have, we're not going to give them a theme. We're not going to give them a, a scripture or a text or a book of the Bible to choose from. It's just going to be their heart and share it with us. And so next week, we're really excited to have Pastor Dave on stage uh, here to preach for us. Uh, then the week after that, uh, our friend and uh, Pastor Mark's close friend and former um, pastor of Corbett Avenue Wesleyan, A.J. Plasier, is going to be here. After that, our friend and former uh, assistant pastor here at the church, Peter Hayes from Cambodia, uh, is going to be here. And then Pastor Natalie, uh, kind of through the lens of the Uprising weekend, is going to be with us to kind of close this whole thing off. And so I'm really excited to kind of hear from these different voices um, and uh, just hear what's on people's heart for us. Like, it's like a potpourri of, uh, of sermon topics. We have no idea what we're going to be in store for, but we know that God is going to speak to us because when someone shares what God has shared with them, I think it's for us, and I, I think that God's word never returns void. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, today, we're going to be talking about conversations with Jesus. And for me, especially in these past few weeks as I've kind of taken this interim lead pastor position for Pastor Mark as he's on his leave of absence for a while, um, my circumstances have changed a little bit. And when your circumstances change, when things in your life happen to change, whether for good or bad, sometimes we have to change how we listen to God. And how we speak to God sometimes changes and it's dependent on where we are in life. And for me, these past few weeks, I've had to pray differently. I've had to listen to God a little bit differently for some different things. And for us today, I think that's kind of where God, God's word wants to take us um, and talk about what it means to have a conversation with God and what does that look like. And now, I, I don't want to put words in God's mouth, okay? That's a very, very dangerous place to be. Uh, and so, I'm going to say some things where it says, I'm going to say God is not or God does not. That's very dangerous ground sometimes, but um, I, I, when it comes to conversations with God, sometimes we treat our prayers with Him in our conversations with God in a way that doesn't quite work with conversations. Sometimes we just kind of tell Him a lot of things and ask Him a lot of questions and don't give Him any time to respond. And so, uh, here's what I think God is not saying to us when we have conversation with him. The first thing is this, is God is not a fortune teller. Okay, God, when we have conversation with God, 
He's not a fortune teller. He doesn't kind of lay out our fortune and all of the things in life for us. He definitely speaks to us, and he speaks to purpose, and he speaks to our lives, but we, he doesn't necessarily lay out all of what God has in store for us from now until the day we die. God is not a fortune teller. That's not how conversation with him works. And the second is this. God is not a secret teller. God is, and there's a lot of people here, even in this room right now, who have a prophetic gift, who hear from God a little bit differently than us. And especially in people like that who have that spiritual gifting, God is not a secret teller. God will not tell you something about somebody that you don't need to know. God God is not going to speak something uh, about maybe a sin in somebody's life. They're not going to reveal that to you because that would go against God's nature because only he is judged. He doesn't let us be that. And so it's not our job to go and judge someone. His word never tears someone down. It always builds someone up. Okay, God is not a secret teller. And the next this is God is not a science teacher. He does not give you multiple choice answers. Okay, God is not a science teacher. We, we can't barricade God into the confines of the answers that we would like to choose from. Right, like A, B, C, or D. You just always choose C because that's what you do when you don't know the answer. Like God doesn't work that way. He doesn't give us, he gives us free will, not multiple choice quizzes. He wants us to make the decision to step into his purpose and into his will for our life. So he doesn't give us multiple choice quizzes. So what I want to do is I want to talk through two conversations that happen in God's word um, and extract some things from it that I think are beneficial for us as we have conversation with God. And I, I don't necessarily mean on a communal level where we do it together, but like in the quiet, like in your relationship with Jesus, in your relationship with God, extract some things from some biblical stories that will help us get closer to Almighty God. And so here's what I would like you to remember. That speaking with God, it starts with humility, it's filled with pure motive, and ends with obedience. Okay, our conversation, and if you're like writing down in your Bible kind of person, this would be great. Speaking with God starts with humility, is filled with good motive, and ends in obedience. And so turn to Exodus 3 uh, if you've got your Bible or you can swipe right, whatever you need to do. Exodus 3. And so this is a familiar story, I think, to most of us. For most of us who maybe grew up in church, um, we all know the story about the burning bush. Moses' conversation with the Spirit of God through a bush. So a little background on him. Moses' story is a little bit different. He's like a riches to rags story. He is this orphan child that's found on a river. He's adopted by an Egyptian princess. He grows up um, in an Egyptian palace. And later on, he ends up seeing the oppression of the Israelite people. And in this, he ends up killing an Egyptian slave master. And after that, the shame and the guilt in his life Uh, just drives him off, and he runs away. For 40 years, he becomes a fugitive, essentially, and he hides out at his in-laws' house and and works for his in-laws. And so this is where he's at when he has this conversation with God. 
This is Exodus 3, starting at verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. So let's talk about humility for a moment as we talk about conversing with God. Humility starts with two things. It, It starts with your physical humility and your spiritual humility. And so let's talk the physical things about Moses for a moment. He was a shepherd, not a highly favored job. Like it was stinky and smelly. It was hard work. It was a lonely job. You're off for days at end with a bunch of dumb animals. Like it's not a great job. And so he humbled himself because of where he is at in life to take this job over for his in-laws. Not only that, he was working for his in-laws, right? And so this is where he's at. He's at like a very physically humble place. So that's how he was tending the flock. And later on in the verse, it says that he took them far into the wilderness. Now, if you uh, read your Bible at all, or have grown up in church, when you see the phrase in the wilderness, that is a comment on where somebody is spiritually, typically. It can also be a very physical place, but it's usually where someone is physically. Jesus was alone in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He was very hungry and thirsty. He was in the wilderness, and that's where he was tempted. Later on, the Israelites, after this conversation happens with Moses, they were in uh, the desert for 40 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they were all moaning and complaining, and it wasn't great. It was a very humble place for them to be spiritually. And so that's a good way for us to start conversation with God, to be in a physical hum- humble place, in a spiritual humble place. Places of humility, that's how we should start our conversations, from a place of humility. This is what happens in verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, why did this God always whisper, right? I don't know. Here I am, Moses replied. Um, Anybody here have a stove, like a a wood stove in their house? Raise your hand. Uh, Anybody love bonfires, like have a a bonfire pit on their property? There is something mesmerizing about fire. Like, and there's something very communal about fire. Like, I don't have a wood stove, um, but every time I go to Pastor Dave and Vicky's house, their stove, it's, it could be like 30 degrees outside in the summer. And they're like, we got a wood stove. Let's put it on. Uh, and you just, you gather around it. You sit around. There's something mesmerizing about fire. And when we in the summer, we go uh, hang out at somebody's cottage or whatever, there's always a bonfire going because there's just something about sitting around a fire that's just so mesmerizing. But here's the thing I love about Moses' story is that he stood there and watched this fire. And how long does it typically take for you to notice that something is not being consumed by fire? Like when I think about that, he would have had to been standing there for like an extended period of time before he realized that this bush, this tree, whatever it was, wasn't being consumed. And so there's something about 
our, our questioning motive of having a conversation with God, to having an encounter with Jesus, is that it requires patience and questioning, like divine questioning and patience and more patience. Like he would have had to stand there forever until he realized, wait a second, like this thing is not consuming. And as soon as he begins to question that moment, that is when God chooses to speak with him. And so for the same thing for us, it takes patience to have conversation with God and have these divine questions. And he says, what is happening with this tree? I must go see. And so he questions it. Motivation requires our willingness to converse with God. Uh, verse 5 says, do not, the Lord says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. Again, there's another sign of being humble before God's presence. Verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was too afraid to look at God. And so the other thing about our conversations with God is obedience. We need to go into conversations with an attitude of obedience. Because sometimes we'll, we'll pray to God, and maybe he'll even answer us in some way, shape, or form, and he gives us answers, and we don't like it. And so we're like, well, I don't want to do that. Next. We need to go into our conversations with God with an attitude of obedience. And for two full chapters, Moses is having this conversation with God, trying to convince God that he's got it wrong. He has this conversation with God saying, I think you've got the wrong guy. I have a stuttering problem. I don't have the resources. Everyone hates me because I murdered a guy. Like, here's all these circumstances. I'm sure you've got the wrong guy. And God continues to say, no, I'll provide it for you. No, I'll equip it for you. And finally, Exodus 4.20, like two chapters later, after this conversation, he decides to say, yes, okay, I will, I will say yes to your purpose. That's what it says in Exodus 4.20. So Moses took his wife and his sons and he put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. So he says yes to the purpose that God has given him with the tools that he's given him and the people and the resources he needs to get it done. See, our conversation with God should end with our best yes. Even when we don't understand the answer, even when we don't understand the path that he wants us to go on, when we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, obedience should be how we end our conversations with God. Speaking with God starts with humility, is filled with right motive, and ends with obedience. Now let's take another look at a, a similar conversation, I think. If you go to John 5, here's another story of... Um, kind of a familiar story to us of, of Jesus healing a paralyzed man. This is John 5, starting at verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on these porches. And from time to time, this is verse 4, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Now, if you look in your Bible, I bet you that there's a few translations that don't have verse 4 in there. 
Like, seriously, open it up. Um, a lot of your translations won't actually have verse 4. Um, because some of the early manuscripts didn't have that line, but some later manuscripts did have that verse. And so I just like to add it for context. I think, I think that there's something very divine and prophetic and powerful in the thought of angels coming down on behalf of God and, and healing. But so that's, it gives us context to why all these sick people were hanging around the pool. And so let's talk about humility, humility again and location. So Jesus finds himself in Jerusalem. And one of the first places he goes is like this quarantined zone. He goes to this place where there are sick people and paralyzed and lame. There are these people who society doesn't touch, who society don't want to go near, who society don't want to uh, even have conversations with. And so Jesus humbles himself to a place where nobody else will go. His location sets the scene for this beautiful, divine conversation that happens because of the humility of Jesus. We continue at verse 5. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So again, we have this divine questioning. Would you like to get healed? We have this this motivation to have a conversation, this pure motivation, this pure motive to have conversation with Jesus. And it continues in verse 8. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. So our conversations end in obedience. This guy had, hadn't walked for, we don't, for 38 plus years. He didn't question Jesus. He didn't say, well, like, how are you going to do that? Jesus just said, stand up and walk, grab your stuff and just go. He didn't question him. He didn't ask how he was going to help. He didn't like stretch his legs He didn't check his muscles and his sinew and his bone to see if they're working. He instantly got up and walked off. And so there's a sense of obedience in their conversation. And he goes off, and later on he testifies in verse 15 to the Pharisees about how Jesus did this. He testifies what has been done. Our conversations start with humility. They're filled with right motive and end in obedience. And so for us, I want to talk about how this can apply to us today because no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, we need to be having conversations with him. We need to find ourselves in places of rest and quiet in order to speak to Jesus. And even more than that, to listen to Jesus because a lot of our prayers are filled with a lot of our requests. We have a lot of questions And we have a lot of things that we would love for him to do for us. And he is absolutely capable of doing those things. But then there are times where we actually don't give ourselves any time to listen. We just do a lot of the talking. So as we pray, we start with humility. Much like Jesus did by entering this quarantine zone. And much like Moses did by where he was in life and what he was doing in life. We have to humble ourselves 
in God's presence. This is how Jesus says it in Matthew 6. He says, when you go pray, go into your room and close the door. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you converse with God, go to a place where you have time. Go to a place of rest. Go to a place of quiet so that you can listen to God, that you can get into his word, and then you can speak to God, and then listen some more. Because we, we tend to ask him a lot of questions, inquire about a lot of things, but then never give him any time to actually speak to us. We need to put ourselves in a place of humility before Almighty God, because it's all about his timing and not ours, and we know that. Give him a specific time and a specific place of rest and quiet. And then we fill your conversation with pure motive. Here's the thing. When God speaks to us, it's often not for our benefit. I mean, it is in some ways, but ultimately when God speaks to us, it's to, for a, a for kingdom-building purpose. It's not just for our own pleasure. It's for the fact that we get to talk to God. We get to have a conversation with the sovereign Lord and the creator of the universe. Like, we have that opportunity. And so we fill our conversation with pure motive and not for our own pleasure and not just for our own benefit, but for kingdom-building purposes. And this is how James puts it in James 4. He says, you don't, have what you, ha you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You don't want, or you, sorry, you want only what will give you pleasure. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Before you begin to pray, make sure your motivations are of a divine persuasion. And understand that your prayers need to be filled with right motive. That your, your prayers need to be filled with kingdom purpose and not just your own pleasure. And then finally, we end with obedience. In other words, don't pray for what you're not going to pay for. Like, don't send out a bunch of Hail Mary prayers and then have God respond to you and be like, oh, I don't like that answer. Like, I'm, I, no, thank you. Thank you for answering, but I don't want, like, don't pray for what you're not willing to pay for. Go into your conversation with God with an attitude of obedience, saying, yes, I will. Like, go in with that attitude. Because if, you, if not, you're having a conversation um, and you're just kind of looking for your own answer. And that's, that's, that could be your conscience, that could be the enemy speaking. You're giving the enemy ground to make decisions for you. And that's not a good thing. Go in with an attitude of obedience. Jesus says it like this in Luke 11, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and then put it into practice. It's about being obedient. Our conversations with God need to start with humility, be filled with pure motive, and end with obedience. Because each of us are on a different journey each of us have to hear from God differently depending on where we are in our walk with him. Each of us have to listen and talk to and conversate with Jesus differently based on wherever we are. And if you've followed Jesus for I don't know how many years, 
Like you still need to be having conversation with him. He still wants to lead you. He still wants to guide you and direct you. And if there are people here who have never said yes to Jesus before, those same things apply to you. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to build you and speak purpose into your life. But we need to get to our place where we can humble ourselves before Almighty God and make sure that we have the right motives and an attitude of obedience as we speak with the creator of the universe. And so no matter where you are in life, fill your prayer with, with some of these things. And as we worship in a few moments, what I would love to do is for us to take advantage of a moment like this. And I, I specifically wanna speak to people who have never heard from Jesus before. I wanna specifically speak for a moment to, to somebody out here who has never said yes to Jesus before. A conversation with Jesus can be completely life-changing and life-altering. And we wanna be available to you to guide you through some of those conversations. And so if for you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if, if, but if you believe that he is the son of God and you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he did die for you and that he is the son of God and he is who he says he is, we would love to guide you through a conversation with him and give you the opportunity to hear from God. And so as the band leads us in a moment, as we sing the words, yes, I will, as we go into worship with an attitude of obedience and humility and pure motive, as we say, yes, I will, I would love for anyone who maybe finds themselves in that place where they have never said yes to Jesus, they've never made that commitment, and if you wanna to come to these altars at the front, we're gonna have either board members or staff members or some of our ministry leaders come pray with you and guide you through that conversation and just pray with you. There's nothing magical that happens at these places, but there is something very divine and transformative that happens, that can happen in these conversations. So I wanna pray for us and as the band uh, begins, if that's you today, we'd love to meet you at the altar and pray with you. And for those of the rest of us who are maybe are having a trouble hearing from God and we don't have time in our calendar and our day to actually spend time listening to him, I implore you, it's so transformative and so life-changing when we hear from God. So let me pray for us as we worship. God, in this moment, we just ask for humility, that we would humble ourselves in the presence of Almighty God. that the creator of the universe, that the sovereign Lord and the savior of each and every one of us, no matter where we're at in life, God, you want to speak to us. You wanna speak in us. You wanna tell us truth, not even just for our own pleasure, but for building, for building the kingdom bigger and bigger and so that we may get better and better. And Jesus, we just ask that you would do a great thing, a powerful thing in this place as we say, yes, I will. And we go in with an attitude of obedience and humility. And all of God's people agreed and said,